This is Joseph Gervaisi. I am here with Jim McMonagall of FOD, Flag of Democracy, and Bruce Howes of SRA Records. Uh, Bruce will be co-interviewing Jim with me. Uh, this is part of Loud Fast Philly, and we're recording the interview on January 3rd, 2016, here at my house in the Roxborough neighborhood of Philadelphia. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming out. Thank no you. problem. Uh, Jim, you know that uh, I've wanted to interview you since the start of the project, which now is three years uh, running, and I'm glad that finally we are here to, to actually speak. The, the stars have aligned. <laughs> yes, and I expect this interview to be very hardcore. So It's going to be so hardcore. <laughs> if at some point you feel that it, the, the energy is flagging, just flip the table over. Uh, I'm going to do like a stage dive from the uh, ceiling fan. It's, it's going to be hot. <laughs> the thing is very barely in the that, ceiling. That's even so. better. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I must apologize uh, to listeners that uh, I have a bit of a cold, uh, so I am losing my voice. Uh, I know that this sounds very sexy to you, um, but it's actually not that sexy. <laughs> it feels fucking horrible. In any case, let us begin. Um, begin as, as I guess we customarily do. Uh, could you tell me, Jim, uh, where you were born and when? I was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in March 11th, 1965. Okay. Uh, did you grow up living in Philly? I grew up. Pretty much outside of Philly, like Ambler, um, Lansdale, um, Ambler again, uh, Souderton, a uh, little bit in about a year in upstate New York, Richfield Springs, but always like, you know, generally half hour or so from Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. you know. Why were you moving about so much? Because my, my father hated everywhere we lived. <laughs> Where this place is so awful. Uh, they were really horrible. It was really awful. my my father. We would um, my father had a lot of anxiety issues and a lot of depression issues, and we would um, lived in a little house in um, in Ambler because they had lived in um, like the after my parents were married, they had like lived in the Clifton Heights area. He was from Philadelphia, she was from Maine, and they met in Texas while they were both in the Air Force. My dad had lived in, um, actually during the uh, Korean conflict, he had lived in Japan. He had lived in Okinawa. He was a technician working on the, uh, the radar on the bombers. And so then they came back to Texas. They met in Texas. They got married, lived in Clifton Heights. And from there, they got their little house out in Ambler, a suburban house. Lived there for a little while. He Is it get, the three of you? or It was just the three of us at that point. Mm -hmm. Um and my sister was 1967, and right around that point, we moved. He got a business opportunity. He was working with, um, he had worked for GE. He had worked for um, Univac. He was working in um, with computers, the very beginning of computers. Um, he went to um, LaSalle on a GI Bill after he got back into the area. So we moved up to upstate New York, lived there for a year, then back down to Souderton, old farmhouse, Oh, this house is falling apart. I'm stressed out. I'm stressed out. Yeah. This anxiety, this stress. The house is going to fall. The chimney's falling down. The house is going to catch on fire. Okay, we moved to Lansdale. Um, new construction, one of these nice development houses. One of the things where they would um, build a develop. They would tear something down, then build a development and name it after what they tore down. So I was mm -hmm. in Gwinnett Farms. All right. <laughs> and they, they no tore down the farms. <laughs> so they tore down the farm, and then they called Gwinnett Farms, and we lived there. And oh, I was near Valley Forge. Oh, the road, the road. I can't take the road. I'm so stressed out because of the road. We have to move because of the road. And then we moved um, to 
I guess you would call it Bluebell, but Ambler mailing address, and that's kind of where the whole punk rock insanity stuff took place. Mm-hmm. Well, prior to the, the punk rock insanity, what were your interests as a, as a young man, a young um, boy? Um, just um, monster movies, monsters, science fiction, um, reading, movies, that kind of stuff, just science just your t- typical really mm-hmm. geeky, nerdy stuff, you know. Like. And that's a subject that I is a personal interest to in me, and I want to talk to you about. But we're going to save okay. uh, for those listening to this interview later. Uh, we're doing a, a circumscribed question that's part of a Facebook Live video feed, which you'll be able to watch mm. theoretically at any time, where we're going to talk about the the movies and, and toys mm-hmm. and things that you're interested in as a kid. So that mm. will be delved into elsewhere. But so for now, we'll, we'll just kind of glance over that uh, a bit. But what, what were the the early what were your early interests in music and and how does that did that ultimately segue I, into I the think rock? as far as the music, I always I had a record player and I'd get records like your typical kids' records, you know. And I I, I was always I was drawn towards the fast kind of songs like where there was a song like and I was like oh yeah this sounds really good and. <laughs> I remember one record, I remember maybe being five years old, I think my, my dad got as a gag gift at an office party thing, the God Bless Tiny Tim album, which was Tiny Tim, who was famous for like, tiptoe through the window. He was famous for that, but he recorded an entire record, and it's bizarrely psychedelic. Mm-hmm. It's just really weird cover versions of, and he's singing like duets with himself, like singing I Got You Babe, or I Got You Babe, I Got You Babe, you know. And I, my friends and I, we would just listen to this record over and over again with like, where he's singing about the ice caps melting and fish swimming. That was a little pr- prescient thing. It was a really wild, crazy record, and we listened to that a lot. And I, I remember on the radio, what sticks up to me on the radio is stuff like, um, I'd heard, I think, someone talk about acid rock. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, acid rock sounds cool. And I somehow, I, I associated it with the guitar sound from Jefferson Airplane, Somebody to Love. I remember hearing that song as a real little kid on the radio. And like the, mm-hmm. I remember like the, the fuzz guitar and acid rock. And I mm-hmm. thought, that's cool. I remember that. <laughs> and I remember um, Light My Fire, the keyboard. Like, dee, 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 mm-hmm. dee. So I remember those like kind of like '60s kind of psychedelic kind of things, like like being like, oh, this is cool. Like this is like, and then like then comedy ruined all music for me because I just started wanting to listen like you know, Monty Python records, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Where did you get a hold of these things? I mean, I'm assuming you're rather young at this time. Um, <clears throat> I, I didn't really. It was like records that whatever. My mom was always like a thrift uh, a thrift shop person. Mm-hmm. So she would like go to the thrift store. Oh, here's some records. Here's some records to listen to. From the first store, and oh, it's a box of record. Oh, it's all like stacks and Tamla and Motown records. Okay, that's what I'm gonna listen to on my record. See, when I go, it's that. only ever the South Pacific soundtrack. I mean, I guess I had the South Pacific. Was... You know, happy, happy, talking to you. Know? <laughs> you know, it's like I got those. Well, my my my, my grandmother was um, is from Hawaii. Like she was born in Hawaii, and um, so there was Hawaiian records in my in my house. That kind of like you know like I kind of end up and so I ended up with like that going on too mm. like this weird like Hawaiian records and stuff. I like can that. see the influence in FOD. Yeah, there's a lot of Hawaiian <laughs> influence in FOD. So there, there was always kind of like some some records getting picked up from somewhere that kind of thing and like the kids' records like you know 
I think we listened to the sounds of the Haunted House record, like even not at Halloween, just year round. We'd listen to the, the like, Disney, the Disney house? thrilling, chilling yeah. sounds of the Haunted House. Uh-huh. We listened to that all the time, and Tiny Tim and Chip the Chimpanzee, happy because he is free. He's at the top of the monkey steeple. He's more monkey than he is people. <laughs> Chip the Chimpanzee. I don't know that guy. Chip the Chimpanzee, happy. Because he's free. That's a great record. Due to copyright infringement, we're going to remove that part <laughs> I think, of the I think, you know what, I actually tracked that record down. I, I, I can still, to this day, remember all of my kids' records. Like, that I listen to? I can remember, chugga, 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 choo. Like, I, it's the weird me- musical memory. I can remember, like, everything mm-hmm. as far as those those, those goofy songs. Uh, th- so there must have been some point where this this moved into... Punk or, um, or or hard or or the acid rock that you were. You looking know, for. I, I think that I, I Doctor Demento. I was always like the funny stuff. So Doctor Demento was pretty much like the the thing where I kind of discovered punk. I was like listening, like because I was always I was always I, I was one of those radio kids where I would after everybody else was asleep, I'd have my radio on and I'd listen to the radio like like at night. Like the, um, the AM stations, and you hear like whatever the pop songs are, whatever Bass City Rollers, whatever that. And um, then I would listen like to Dr. Demento and stuff. But I still remember, I just, for music, I remember being um, maybe, I don't know, maybe third grade or something like that. And I remember like late one night hearing the song Sky Pilot by the Animals mm-hmm. and just having it blow me away. Because it was like, you know, like that was a song, it's telling a story. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they're doing these harmonies, and there's this like, oh, it's like, and I was like, I think it was that I kind of became aware there was like a whole other level of music, like mm-hmm. more than just you know like Rock On by David Essex or something like that, or whatever Abba song was. I was like, well, these these guys are really doing something really different and stuff like that. And then um, there'd be Doctor Nemanto and. The, the goofy songs and I would go to school and sing all the goofy songs and people would hate me because I'm walking around singing like you know, hey, er, excuse me man must have been something I ate or whatever you know goofy Dr. Demento song was like it was on you know, you know that added with like wanting to talk to people about Rico Browning played the creature from the Black Lagoon did you know that and like they were just like, oh my gosh shut up um, but Dr. Demento that's when I started hearing like I guess um I, I said this the other day to someone that the first punk rock song I think I heard was Gary Gilmore's Eyes. Mm-hmm. The adverts. The adverts on Dr. Demento. And I guess maybe I'd heard Devo and stuff like that before on Dr. Demento. But I was like, you know, looking for you again. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Oh, this is this is punk rock. Oh, I I think I like punk rock. I, I think, and this, this sounds good to me. And I think I'd heard like the Rocky Horror stuff. Mm-hmm. And like Rocky Horror was like, oh, that's just like the big thing. Like, it's a cult. Thing. and like it's a cult movie and it's got rock and roll music to it like so i started i was a soundtrack kid like you know, like, like you get your star wars soundtrack or whatever you listen to like that and you listen to like um monty python records and there's some music on the monty python records and for that it got to like bonzo dog band mm-hmm. but I, the, the the punk thing kind of just kind of like just i think it was the music. I'd hear the music, and then like I was kind of like, "Oh, this is cult, like cult movies, cult music." It's not the mainstream. It's weird. It's different. So I like that. And I was um would buy a lot of magazines and stuff. I was always like, I'd buy like Famous Monsters of Filmland and all your horror magazines and that sort of stuff. And that kind of led me into like you'd, just, you'd be in that same section and you see, "Oh, what's this punk magazine?" 
I'm going to buy New York Rocker. I'm going to buy, um, you know, um, Punk Magazine. You're going to buy, like, whatever. Because <laughs> like, I, I, I was, I, I think, I, I would never let my own children do this, but because I think maybe my, my dad was a city kid, like, he, he grew up, like, all over um, the city, like, Palton Village and Fairmount, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, my grandfather lived right off City Line Avenue. So it was always, like, we were always going into the city as a family, and I grew up right near the, um, the R5 local to Reading Railroad, and it was, I think it was like 75, 85 cents, mm -hmm. and 25 minutes, and you're in Center City. And, and they let you go. Uh, they just let me go. From from what age did you start? I'm, I'm thinking, this sounds crazy, but I'm thinking like 11 or 12. Wow. That's I'm thinking I was 12 years old, just like yeah. t popping and going down to like, to, you know, the, the Reading Terminal and just like, you know, da 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 you know, running around the city and going to bookstores and, and stuff like that. And I would go to bookstores and I'm like, oh, what's this? It's a punk magazine. And there's, oh, this Johnny Rotten on the cover. I'm, I'm going to take this home with me. And What was your perception of punk at that time outside of these magazines? I mean, did you have a feeling of what, uh, like how media had represented this thing to... I, I, it's funny because I can remember... Um, I remember when the Sid Vicious stuff was going on, like when he was on trial and everything, but I don't think I really was identifying myself too much as like, I'm a punk rocker kind of thing at this point. I, I kind of, I, like, I liked, I liked Rocky Horror, I liked punk rock, but I doesn't really like, I remember like my dad like going like, because there was like a movie theater, like a little art house opening up in Ambler. My mom, because my mom said, oh, there's a, a, a theater opening up in Ambler. Not the Christian theater, but like a little theater opening up in Ambler. And my dad's like, oh, yeah. Hey, Jim, you hear about the, yeah, Sid Vicious is coming to sing at the theater down in Ambler. And like, ha, 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 ha. Like, you know, that, that was kind of, but, but then it was like, you know, I don't know how I really, I, I just kind of started thinking like, yeah, I'm a punk. I, I just kind of like started identifying with more and more. And like reading into magazines, like you know, like it, anyone who's read like a monster magazine knows that you read it and you, and if it's a movie you've never seen, you stare at it and mm. you stare at that picture. And you're like, oh my god, that's so cool! Oh my god, that looks so cool! That looks so friggin' cool! And I'd be like, I'd go, you know, and I think when I became aware of the punk, I liked the song, I kind of started buying the records. I think it was like from reading like the, the, the magazines, like New York Rocker was a really big thing, you know, like you'd get the magazine, I'd be like, you know, like. The cramps on the cover. I'm whoa. Mm -hmm. These guys look scary. This is cool. And you know what? What the what was there? There was a show that started showing some videos um, in the early '80s. Rock World. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. There was a show called Rock World. It was on UHF in Philly, and it was like um, I could still remember the theme. It was like Rock World. Let's all go Rock World. We can see. Stars, rock world, and they would start off, and they would show every time they would start it with like um, some cheesy video, but they would also show like um, the Dickies doing Paranoid on it. Mm -hmm. They'd show the Buzzcocks on it. Uh, it'd be like Bow Wow Wow, or not Bow Wow, um, Bow Wow Wow. They had Bow Wow, but they'd have like X-ray Specs performing live in Germany. And it's like, it's like oh, it's X-ray Specs again. Like, and just and this it's is just, out of Philly. This is like in, out of Philly. Yeah on a UHF channel that you could turn on and see like X-Ray Specs performing live in Germany. And I'm not sure, I, I've tried to figure out where it came from, but I can never forget. So I, I, I've seen some videos, I, I'd stare at the magazines and then I, I started buying seven inches. Like, um, like the Buzzcocks and the Dickies. Like you could go into the record store in the Plymouth Meeting Mall 
and find a Dickies record with a picture sleeve. Mm-hmm. And be like, oh, I'll buy this Dickies record. Oh, XTC record. I'll buy to buy this XTC record. And you can buy like seven inches. And then I think it was right around when Rock and Roll High School was coming out. And there was like the, the, the Ramones. I, I think I, I bought um, It's Alive, like the double live British import thing. I bought that. I bought um, the first Devo album in the import section. I had those records, and then I got Rocket to Russia on 8-track and Richard Hell on 8-track and Lou Reed's Berlin on (laughs) 8-track. And that was kind of like, that was my core thing right there. And the Rock and Roll High School soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And that was that right there. That was my core. That kind of like, like, and then like the Dickies 7-inches, the Dickies albums. And it was just like, Did you have compatriots in school who who shared any Um, of this enthusiasm? It was really, I'm trying to, I'm in um, the first kind of junior high, not really. But then into high school, um, it was basically, I, there were some friends I made who were upperclassmen. A couple guys who were like upperclassmen, like, um, like seniors. And they liked punk, but they weren't kind of like, they were like, like oh yeah. We're, you know, there's always the guys who are like the soccer players or something who have good musical taste. Mm-hmm. Like they were kind of like those guys. Oh yeah. And for them, I met another guy who was like a, a freshman at, um, at college freshman, this guy, Steve. And he was like a brilliant musician into every kind of music. You know, he, I remember him telling me one time, my dream is to be a Rickenbacker guitar so Patti Smith can rip my strings off with her teeth. <laughs> um, Did his dream come true? I don't think so. I think, I, but, but he was like a really like uh, a person who helped get me more and more into music and actually started thinking about being a guitar player. Because you know, my friend, um, uh, my friend Jay, who was like a little bit older than me, was really kind of like, it was, it was fun. Um, he came over to my house one time with his electric guitar, and he was really into the Clash. He's still into the Clash to this day. And um, and he said, "Oh yeah, try and play this guitar." And I remember kind of like being like, "Plink, plink, 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 plink," you know, like thing. He's like, "No, no, no, like this." He takes the guitar. He's like, "Bang!" Like puts something like a Sears guitar in a little amp, like, you know. And it was it was funny because. Um, like his family's up is Indian, and I remember him coming over, and my dad going, "Oh, so does your family eat a lot of Indian food at home?" And like very like, you know, suburban dad kind of questions, like, "Oh," and like yeah, about fifteen minutes later, he's got the guitar, like, <laughs> you know. So. <laughs> and um, you know, I had some other my I, like basically my my guys from my junior high school, um, like Dungeons and Dragons kind of friends. They kind of all kind of like started to kind of like gravitate towards the punk thing, and it was like. We had like kind of a little click in, in the high school as far as like, um, you know, we'd oh, we'd all get like we're all gonna wear like blue windbreakers, like 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 horrible with blue windbreakers. Okay, now we're gonna get oh wait, at the thrift store they had all these like um, military dress jackets, so we're all gonna wear military dress jackets. You know, that was kind of like the thing, like a little bit. But it was a, you know, so there was a little bit of a uh, we had a little thing going, you know, mm-hmm. but. When did you become aware of uh, an active scene in Philadelphia, or was there even anything in, um, in Ambler or the area that you were in? Like we we were at for Ambler, but we were we were basically the the, the freaks, you know. <laughs> it was kind of like, was about the extent of Ambler's. Like like we, we we were like the the freaky people in Ambler. You know, it's like it's kind of thing where you like yeah okay all the freaky people. If you're a deadhead, you know the deadhead freaky person. All the freaky people kind of know the freaky people. Um, I um, I saw Iggy Pop. 
in Norristown in it it was either 1979 or 1980. I'm not sure exactly on the date. Um, I saw that was my first concert. It was Iggy Pop at the Norris Theater in Norristown, and it was like whoa, like this motherfucker, like whoa, like I remember I remember him standing like I'm I'm watching the edge of stage. And he's like smashing the mic stand down against the stage, like like literally like a foot away from me. Mm-hmm. I'm just like ah ah, ah what the f- ah. and he's gonna say he says my mama told me if I was goody that she would buy me. A rubber dolly. And it's like, I guess it's fear in the Western world. Is this always like, you know, someone told me that Jesus was the devil's lover while I was masturbating on a magazine cover. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, oh my God. The, how, how about I, he, my rubber dolly, magazine covers, Jesus, the devil. Like, ah. I'm like, whoa. And, and I, I think I, I saw... Had you attended a stadium, regular stadium concert no, I, prior I, to that? No, no never. So no, that was the first time. This is a little a theater in Norristown. I'm just like, yeah. like, holy shit. <laughs> And then I saw like some local bands play there, um, like at this the punk new wave weekend. And then I think I was still it was still like things I was going by myself. I'd get my dad to drop me off, and I'd go in by myself. Um, and then I went to I was like um, I saw the Ramones, uh, U of P campus, the was Irvine Auditorium, and that was my first kind of thing. Like oh wow, because I remember I took the I took the train, then took the subway, and I got off, and I'm walking by myself. And all of a sudden, there's all these other people around me, like with leather jackets, you know, like funny hair and stuff. Like kind of like, oh wow! Like as we're walking, like more and more, I'm like, eh, there's, there's something going on here. It's not just like me. There's there's more to it going on. And then um, I think I think every single person you have interviewed mentions the Punk Fest in 1981 mm-hmm. at the Elk Center. And I went it was my friend Steve and my friend Jay. The three of us went down and. That was kind of like that. That that was that was it. When I think so many people just got drawn into the Philly scene by that one event. Because like like I said, I was always wandering around the city, and God bless them. I do not know how they managed to flyer every single inch of Philadelphia with these flyers for the Punk Fest. Mm-hmm. And well, like, since, since we can't presuppose that anyone heard any of the other interviews, mm-hmm. why don't you just kind of explain what the Punk Fest was? It was played, where it at was. A, basically an Elk the Elk Center, which was like a, um, on Bainbridge Street. And it was like basically like you would walk in there, and it was a big thing where you maybe do a, a a ballroom where you'd maybe do like your a wedding or something. And there's a stage. Up behind the stage is this big giant framed photo of the Grand Poobah, a guy with like a big fez on his hat, you know, <laughs> smiling, looking down at mm-hmm. you. Um, and this was a concert. It was all local mans. It was um, let me get this straight. Autistic behavior, decontrol. Um, Sadistic exploits and informed sources. I think that's the. That's the, no, I, yeah, I think that's right to me. I think I that's was, the lineup. I think that's I the was lineup. <laughs> and um, you're there in spirit. So it was all local bands, and I'm thinking it was maybe 800 people there. Jesus, an all local show. People. Yeah. And I just remember <laughs> it's like it was like the it was the fact that it was all locals. It wasn't you know it was like these are punks. This is a punk fest, and. I I, I I think I met um, the Burtwells brothers from um, uh, Crib Def and Blunder Boys. I think I met them there. I met some other people there. Um, I just remember I remember just like watching D Control play. They were just so insane over top. Because like I I I I've seen Iggy Pop, but then there's like Rich from D Control. I remember he had this big band aid on on his forehead, 
and he's got his, his guitar. He's like smashing himself over the head <laughs> with his guitar, and they're jumping around. And they're like, A, B, C, D. I'm like, oh my God, you know? I'm like, and um, then he smashes the guitar, and like, we've got the neck of the guitar. We've got the, we like, the, the guy smashes the guitar. We got part of the guitar. Um, like, what do we do? We ran downstairs to the bar, and there's a jukebox playing Celebration by Cool and Dang Gang, and it was skipping. So we started hitting the guitar, the, the jukebox with the neck of the guitar. And like John Smith from Autistic Behavior comes in, hey, you guys, stop hitting the jukebox. So he was being the responsible adult there at this point. The singer from Autistic Behavior is being the responsible. I was like, you guys, stop like hitting the. And I just remember, I remember like um, being crushed up against the stage, watching like Informed Forces play. And there's, um, you know, some, some girls, like punk rock girls, and I'm writing on them with a magic marker, and they're writing on me with magic marker. And like everyone's just like, it just, just it's, it smells like beer and leather and hairspray and just everyone's like going crazy and I'm like Whoa. you know I, I sometimes ask people about their first show that they feel like it was a welcoming environment but listening to the way that you described this it clearly <laughs> you knew this was for you oh because, yeah I mean you were fully immersed for yeah yeah we were it was it was just not hanging out in the back observing the craziness no no it was it was it was all kind of it was it was I I I I think because I I always felt very like out of place and awkward in normal school situations where it was just like, it was, it was painful, it was horrible. And, but being in these situations where like, hey, we're all crazy, I'm like, I'm crazy too, yay! It was just it was like, ah, oh, this is it, this is this is crazy land, this is, this is where I belong. And I think after that show, I, I would go to some, sh I think I saw um, X at the Long March, I think I got, I almost got kicked out of that by Billy Zoom's sister for doing a stage dive. <laughs> like some shows like that. And then really, when I really started going to a lot, a lot of Philly shows, um, there's a lot of the ways you, you would just, record stores, this and that, you would meet people. And I met um, this girl, Cheryl, Cheryl Vanderwarden, um, who recently, she recently passed away. She was actually, she was married to um, Howard from Why Dive for a while. They have a, a daughter together. Um, but the, um, I met her, I'm trying to remember how I even met her initially. I think it may have been, I was, like I said, I was a, a train kid. I would just take a train to Lansdale and walk around the Lansdale. And I think I met this punk rock girl walking around Lansdale. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, hey, what's up, man? And then I was like, okay, didn't, didn't exchange numbers or anything like that. And so I'm, one day I'm going to Lansdale again. Oh, hey, there's that same punk rock girl. Yeah. And so we ended up becoming friends and I'd start to get the phone calls. Jim, meet me tonight at Broad and South. <laughs> okay, and it's like, oh, oh, it was when it was when it was the Love Club before it was Love Hall, mm. and it was just kind of started getting like you know like pulled to that. Oh, like oh, go see it's who's playing. Oh, it's the Misfits. Oh, okay, let's see the Misfits. You know, like oh, the Misfits are horrible, but the Necros are really great. You know, <laughs> were the Misfits horrible when you saw them? I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Um, <laughs> here's what I'm gonna say. I did not know the Misfits music that well. I had seen the record in the record shops, and I was kind of like, that looks kind of corny. Like, I, <laughs> I, I like the movie. I know the Angry Red Planet. I like the giant mouse monster, the mouse spider and all. I like that. But uh, I don't know that I really... But, and and um, so I didn't actually know the songs. Had I known the songs, it was after I had seen them, I did actually get into the, those songs on that first record, and I thought they were great. 
So maybe if they they had been switched, the times had been switched. And I saw them when I actually knew the songs because they, they were just sounded loud, and they had like the the, the big skulls and the stuff and like and all the kind of thing. And I was kind of like, eh, I'm a little too cool for this, you know. But but um, but I, I I will say this about the Misfits is that I we were underage. Um, again, this was like it was Love Club was over 21, and I was just was not getting in. And I used to be, I used to be, I could get into the Eastside Club pretty consistently. My one friend, um, my one friend from, from high school, Dan Johnson, um, he was like in kind of, he had a four track in high school. He had a, a four track reel to reel. And we would do like goofy radio plays, like stuff like that, like comedy bits on the four track. Um, and we had heard about Frippertronics, and I had just got a guitar. I got a guitar when I was 16. So we were like, like, Played, take the guitar and play it into like this and that and everything, you know, like this. And he started going to Temple. He was a year or two ahead of me. He went started going to Temple and he met his friend Rich, who was Rich from D Control, where his classmates. And so he's like, Oh, why don't you bring your four track and record my band? We're playing at the East Side Club. So I was a high school kid. I got into the East Side Club to see Discharge and D Control, <laughs> you know, and I was kind of like, like Ah, you know. <laughs> And so the, I was getting into like started getting into those kind of shows, like East Side Club shows. Like I like oh I can get into the East Side Club. I know I can get in here because I Omnis. I was could never get into Omnis. We would stand outside Omnis and go, "There's bands playing there. They're just pumping. Look how cool those people look going in and out of the place." And and we're not going in there, but the East Side Club I could I could get in underage. Um, but it was it was when I moved away from the East Side Club I started going to like. With Cheryl to the shows, like I know so and so because she was already hooked in just knowing some people in, in the city, and I think. Um, oh wait, back to the Misfits. <laughs> okay, um, we couldn't get in. Um, I don't know if you know um, um, Jeff or Matt, Philly guy. He was on, he was smaller than me and younger than me, and we could not get in. We kept trying to get in. Uh, we're like, ah, oh, this is my son. And I had, uh, the, the, the thing I would, I would wear like the long black trench coats. It was like, we were trench coat mafia, I guess. I don't know. But we would wear the long black trench coats. So I had the long black trench coats. I got him to sit on my shoulders. He put on the trench coat. Like the total little rascals thing. Like, we did this. We seriously did this. Like, we knew we were going to get it. We were just like, we're not getting in. Let's just go for it. And like, I would walk again and people, hello, I'd like to see if my son's inside there. You know, like, and they get the fuck out of here. And so we're sitting outside. And Glenn Danzig comes walking. Oh, what's up, kids? Like, ah, oh, we can't get into the show. He's like, oh, come over here, kids. I want to show you something. Mm-hmm. Walk over to the side door. He pops a switchblade out of his pocket. Goes, Jimmy's opened the door. Like, here, I'm going to show you a little something, kids. You know, like, Jimmy's opened the door for his switchblade. He's like, enjoy the show. Yeah, and so Danzig is always, like, like 200% cool in my book. Just to do that, you know, like, just like, like, to let like a fucking couple kids just like you know the the, the whole act of the, so just so fucking cool just like so nonchalantly pulling out the knife and opening the door, you know. Yeah, it only takes one act like that, and that person, no oh, matter what that, they do, for that's the it. Like, I don't yeah. care. You can how many internet memes you can show me of him like with cat food or yeah, like yeah. whatever. Like he's still cool in my book, you know. Yeah, he's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I I think like with Cheryl, I started going like to more like she, she had some friends in the city, and then I. Was going to those shows, then like that broad and south kind of thing, kind of just like meet, meeting people. I'm trying, I, 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 I'm trying to remember the the whole because I was meeting people in the suburbs, and then I was people in the city. Because I think around the time I met uh, like Mano, who was the drummer for FOD, 
we met in a, a record store in the Plymouth Meeting Mall. I think we were both looking at the same UK subs record. Mm-hmm. And then we started talking. That's how I always was like, oh, you like that? Blah, 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 blah. And then, oh, you want to start a band? I want to start a band. You know, it was kind of those things like, hey, let's start a band. You know, well, okay, yeah, let's start a band. Um, um, Rich Kaufman from the Electric Love Muff. And I met him like at the Montgomery Mall, another mall, another shopping mall, and the record store, in the record section. Um, the guys in. Um, the guys from Circle of Shit, uh, Rick D. I met them. Like looking at, actually, I know them. Haha, from the Philadelphia Science Fiction Society. I know them. Oh, no pre-punk shit. science fiction nerd. You got the science fiction. Like looking at the, hey, little Starlog. Do Starlogs out, dude? Yeah. Like I know them from like the, the science fiction thing. Because I was I was a member of the Philadelphia Science Fiction Society. I went. Uh, Did you have meetings? Every and once a month there was a meeting down at um. It was over some bar down on Chestnut Street in University City, and they rented out a room. There'd be uh, piss fist meetings. Uh, they're still going. They they did the, the Philcon, the mm-hmm. uh, Philadelphia Science Fiction Convention. I got to work the the film room one time. I was like fourteen years old, and I was I was the projectionist in the film room at a science fiction convention. <laughs> and I I had, I had no room. I went there with no room or anything like that. You know, I'm just I'm just like I'm just going to like like drink. I'm gonna get drink Coca Cola. I'm gonna put as much sugar in the Coca Cola in it, so I can just drink this this caffeine sugar thing, so I can stay up all night and show these movies. You know, and like I got the two projectors going. Okay, here comes the mark. I'm switching the project. And like we had Hardware Wars, which was the Star Wars spoof. Mm. We had Hardware, but there was a break in the film. The film broke, and I'm like, what the fuck? I got. I'm like, I spliced it together with scotch tape. Yeah, sixteen millimeter. Yeah, sixteen. I spliced spliced it together with scotch tape or something. And like, if this isn't going to go for the actual thing, the only way I'm going to be able to do this is stop the projector, manually feed it through, and then start the projector again. And which I did, which is so funny. Like it's hardware wars. We're all like, yay, hardware wars. Like at like like two a.m. Yay. And like all of a sudden, like boom, turn it off. Boom. <laughs> yay. <laughs> you know. This is where punk ingenuity. Comes yeah, it was like it was very punk ingenuity. But I that was like just part of my my, my sometimes I feel like I was a feral child because why. Why was I? Why was I in a, a hotel somewhere in Philadelphia for a weekend by by myself with no adult supervision? And then like going da- um, down like to, to Baltimore to science fiction conventions. Like I was going down to Balticon and stuff like that. Like, you know Gina Wong from the yeah I know Gina Wong I know Gina Wong from Philadelphia Science Fiction Society. Yeah, he did uh, Red Records. He put out the the Philly Comp and that stuff. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. It was all kind of tight. Because it's a science fiction thing. Like, I, I think was some of that when I actually started trying to buy like records, some records, I was like, oh, Jefferson Starship. Well, I like science fiction. Like, I, oh, well, that's uh, kind, of, kind of not so cool. It's, like, <laughs> it's got this woman and a dragon on the cover, kind of looking vaguely like ninja esque and stuff. And like, la 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 la, you know, oh, California. Okay, whatever. Oh, that's not, they used to be Jefferson Airplane. I like that stuff, kind of. Like, yeah, uh, I was wondering. Uh, you already said how you met Mano. How did you meet Zeke? Zeke, I knew from um, going to shows in Philly. Okay, like I, I knew Zeke just from like like being around, from like being like you know we're, we're the crazy people who are at every show, like okay. and and just like you know like it it, it was just kind of like you see the same people at every show, and it wasn't it wasn't that that big of a scene. And that, like, you know, like that, that small group of people that you would see. Did you feel that there was any sort of a sea change from punk to hardcore in Philadelphia? Um, hardcore punk. Did, was there any um, kind of differentiation at, at that time? 
at the time, I'm going to say a lot of, um, I think a lot of the old, old heads kind of thought we were funny. And they kind of, they kind of, like, they kind of dug it. They weren't, wasn't necessarily their bag, but they kind of, they kind of dug it. They thought it was kind of cool. Um, but there was definitely, it was, I think it was kind of like a younger thing, you know, it, was, it wasn't, you know, people, I guess, kind of get, want to have that certain comfort level where you can sit at the bar and kind of relax and do adult things, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe sit and look at people and be sarcastic or whatever, um, which is part of the fun of being an adult. You can like, ah, oh, look at those people. Um, I, I don't, I, there, there was kind of a change when the younger people came in, like, because there, there were bands in Philly and all of a sudden there was like this kind of new... Did you feel that that you and your friends were at all in opposition to that that older crew of people? Not really, no, not really, because a lot of it was kind of like 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 um, we might not have even been aware of, you know, if there was like like we were just like kind of hey, yeah. you know, and and, and some of the, so there were some older people involved. Like, to, to, well, it's funny to me, the sadistic like the the sadistic exploits were older. Even like they're like maybe like like two three years older than that's me. That's all they would ever take. It was like when you're like you know when you're seventeen and it's someone who's got an apartment and they're not living at home and that's kind of thing like whoa they're older they're like so immensely cool whereas like we've all caught up to each other now now we're all the same age <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, I don't I don't really like they were kind of like older and I kind of I kind of there was maybe like that though that first group of bands like you know and then we, I think we kind of came like. After that, like FOD, Wide Eye, McRad, kind of came after that first, like sadistic exploits and foreign sources, decontrol kind of thing. How did FOD then come together? Um, I, I think it was, when I was in ninth grade, I kind of started thinking that I wanted to be in a band. I, kind of, I think it was, um, and I met this kid, Joe. Um, actually, I met it because I had to go to summer school gym. That was one of the reasons I met people. You failed gym and I had failed to go to gym. summer school? I failed gym class. Yeah, I failed gym. Uh, gym Somebody was, just played volleyball for gym, a fucking gym, three gym, gym was last period. I got, um, I said, I have asthma, so I got swimming. I got to go to swimming for my gym for last period. And to do the swimming, I had to get on my bicycle and ride across the street to the junior high school where the swimming pool was. Once I'm on my bicycle, I just kept riding past the junior high school and cut gym every time there was gym class so I ended up in summer school gym and met Joe and after summer school we'd go to his house he played guitar and he was it was funny like he was into the Ramones the B-52s and Van Halen mm-hmm. and and he um, taught me how to play a bar chord which is like immensely incredible awesome thing he taught me how to play a fucking bar chord and um but we would go into his house and we'd get a, we'd find guys who wouldn't be our bass player and wanted to be our drummer, but they would never like actually show up with drums or a bass. So it usually ended up being just me and him with his guitar and me singing. And we would just make up songs off the top of our head, like him playing like kind of like Ramones, but with kind of like Van Halen-y kind of stuff in it and like kind of like, you know, the, the palm muted stuff. But I'd be singing like, you know, <clears throat> if I can remember, I remember Aardvark of My Dreams. It's like... Uh, I fuck of my dreams. I love you. I like you a lot, especially your snout. You're really super fantastic 
even though you're not bubble plastic. Now, you know that kind of stuff. You know, like like <laughs> up on the third floor of his his, his house, he lived like in, in in Ambler, like a little like row home. We'd be up on the top floor of the row home making this this racket. And um, so I, I kind of started to think like I could be in a band, I could be a band. And on my 16th birthday, I got a guitar. Like I want a guitar, I want to be in a band. So I got a guitar on my 16th. So I kind of like. Like, oh, I gotta figure out how to play this thing. Because my dad's like, oh, you want a guitar? You're gonna take lessons. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I went and I would go to the music store where they had the um, the songbooks, the books, like the play guitar, play the songs, this. And there's like, there was one who was play the songs of The Who. And I knew The Who because at that point I had been buying <coughs> records. I'd buy my ticket. And like, The Who kind of like, like I knew from reading Trouser Press and New York Rocker, The Who were like the band that kind of like was like a punk rock band. They were a rock band, but they were punk rock. And there was the, the reissue of um, the first album, The Who Sing My Generation, where they all, they look like a fucking punk rock band on mm -hmm. the cover. I was like, oh, these guys, this is cool. And so I, I like The Who. There's a Who songbook here. Like, okay, E minor, you put the fingers there, you put the fingers there. I'm looking at the book. I remember I remember where the fingers go on the chord, go home. E minor. Da, 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 da. I got an E minor. Okay, I got to go back to the store. I got to go back to the, the bookstore. <laughs> D. That's a D chord. Okay. Okay. Dan, and, and I basically, like, and finally, I did actually buck up and buy this the stupid songbook. But I would kind of, I learned like a couple chords at a time. And once you know, you learn like a D chord, an A chord, and an E minor chord. That was it. I was, I was, I was writing like you know, like my mom dresses me funny. My mom dresses me weird. All the kids come out and stare at the fucked up clothes I wear. You know, there's like, like <laughs> stuff like that. This seems to be the template for your entire musical career. Yeah, this is, this is where we go. And it doesn't sound that different. <laughs> later. And um, and and I I kind of was learning to like the songs on the guitar. So I'm like I'm a guitar player. And I met Mano at the record store, and he had a whole thing going where um. Um, there were some other other kids around, like um, I know the the guys. Um, oh shoot, what was the name of that band? Name of the week they were calling themselves for a while. And it was a guy um, Frank Wa Reinhardt, Paul Kowalchuk, um, other guys who ended up being in other bands around Philly. But they were kind of like a Plymouth White Marsh. It was a Plymouth White Marsh kind of thing that that area over there. Um, and they had bands, and like Mike was kind of involved with like um, he was playing bass. In a band with, um, or the Discontent, they're called Discontent, and it was his cousin Lisa. She was playing drums. She went on. She was played in um, DIA, another Philly band. She played drums for them, um, but she was playing drums. And this guy Mike Burns was playing guitar and singing, and Mano was playing bass. And he's like, "Yeah, I want to do something else. I want to be a drummer. I want to be a drummer. I play drums in band." So we did a, a party at my house where they played in my basement, and I played just me. And um, I, I, I hooked up my, my, my big Hoffner electric acoustic to um, an amp. And I was like, and I, I, it was basically me and a guitar singing like messed up crazy songs like I, that I made up myself. And that was like my first show. And after that, we started kind of doing like FOD practices, like where um, he would be playing the, the drums and I would play guitar. Did you, did you pick the name out straight away? Or did it take um, it, I think it came pretty, because uh, I think... I had the jam record setting songs, and there's that song, they can't believe the part of democracy. I'm like, oh, that's a cool band name. That is so cool. I think a great band name. Cool. Yeah, let's just use it. You know, because Mike, Mike, you know, Manuel, he was a new waiver. Like, at, at that point, everybody was kind of a new waiver. Like, everyone kind of liked new wavy stuff, you know, and I guess the jam being mod punk. You know, it was all kind of. Mm -hmm. 
Um, nobody was a metalhead. <laughs> Any uh, new romantics? Um, you would listen to new romantics if there was a friend of yours and she was smoking clove cigarettes and she wanted to listen to some new romantic stuff. You know, you would mm. put that on. But uh, yeah. um, but then it was like, I think we practiced. I remember the first songs we did at practice. We did "Baby Let's Twist" by the Dictators. <laughs> off the uh, was it the uh, Go Girl Crazy? No, no, no. It was off the um, Blood Blood Brothers. Oh, that was the one that has fastest and loudest. Baby, let's twist. Baby, let's twist that. And um, love comes in spurts. The Richard Hell song. So like we were like we were a punk band. Like we were like that's, that's we started like the Dictators and Richard Hell. That's that's kind of kind of where we started. And then we were trying to make up our own kind of songs. Like it was funny because you, you listen to the first the Chinese food thing. I'm playing. I'm not playing bar chords. I'm playing open chords on a lot of stuff. I was playing like really fast open chords. And I think that's like um, Cheryl turned me on to flex your head and boston not la like because she like she was always buying records and like i was just like holy shit like i hear the gangrene like gangrene that just changed everything oh my god look at that that sounds so good we have to play fast too we have to play this fast because it was already like into the dickies and stuff like that was fast like this is faster than the dickies you know like oh my gosh this is great and so we started playing and we tried um we had a few a couple that we just oh, i'm trying to remember the name of this girl we had playing bass and FOD for maybe like one or two practices. And she was old. It was like she was older than us and she was a little maybe mystical and did like martial arts and stuff. So it was kind of like, hey. <laughs> like, oh, you're fun and you're good, but I don't know if this is going to work. You know? And then we had, um, I'm trying to remember, we had, we had somebody else come and try playing bass with us. And then um, I was like, I know this guy, Zeke, and he plays bass. And so he would like take, catch the train up and, you know, we'd all like kind of converge and um, at Mano's mom's house in um, like out, like Plymouth Meeting, I guess Plymouth Meeting, Norristown kind of area. You know, just playing this basement of a suburban rancher. You know, making like you know. I guess it didn't take that long until you began to perform uh, at some of the shows in the city. No, what's funny is we actually the um, the Chinese food tape was recorded before we had ever actually played a show. Because it was like we'd be at shows, we'd be like, "Oh, we're in a band! Like we're a band! Like you just, uh, yeah, yeah, we're a band! Yeah, we're a band! You're just telling people that we're a band! We're a band!" And at that point, it was like um, the blunder, the Blunder Boys put out a tape, the, the Crib Def tape, and we're like, like, "Oh, whoa! They got the tape! Oh, wow! That's so cool! They have a tape out! Like, let's get a tape out!" And Steve Luckshides um, was DJing at uh, KDU, so we got Steve to help us with the tape. You know, he came, he recorded on, like, a two-track in in, uh, in Mano's basement, and we had a tape. And the tape got airplay, and the tape, we sold it at shows. We showed it to people need. in high school, you know, that, that was the tape. And then, I guess, through that is why we got the show on the uh, the Minor Fret gig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that now this is clearly one of the uh, the biggest shows, uh, a mythical event. Uh, you should explain your, your take on that show, or was it who played, and what was it like? It... It was very fun. <laughs> it was our first show, so we're like geared up for our first show. Like, how we get it? We got to get our stuff to our first show. I think uh, Mano's grandfather was a musician, like his very musical family, and he would always find these guitars. Like, like, oh, here's, here's a guitar. I, so I had like stuff like, um, like, like an Ibanez Iceman copy, and I had a. Um, like a, a jazz master copy, like different guitars. And then we thought nothing of it. Like, oh, let's take the neck off this one and put it on this one. 
like no thought about intoning it or anything like that. We're just like like ah, slap this, like take the, this out of this and solder it into there, like it's you rock. know. And then we had all these. I had, so I had all these guitars, like like these weird oddball guitars, which I wish I had them still. A lot yeah. of them because I wish I, I would love to have like some Japanese jazz master copy right now. I'd be like, um, so, so we um got the show. I remember we got the stuff. We we rented a U-Haul. My friend Mark Chilton. Um, was a driver's license, had a driver's license. I knew Mark because he lived around me and he was always like, drive me home when we're like coming to shows in, like in Philly and stuff. He was like one of my consistent guys. How can I get a ride home from like this club? I'm underage. Get me out of here. <laughs> How old were you guys at this point? Um, when we first started playing, I was like 16 and Mana was like 14. And Zeke? Zeke must have been like 13. And, wow. Um, Jesus. And, um, we um we got Mark to get his car and got a U-Haul trailer. We went and rented a U-Haul trailer. We took like um like gaffer's tape, like duct tape, and wrote Camden or Bust on the side of it <laughs> in big letters. <laughs> Loaded up our thing. I think I was playing like this big like two fifteen like um Ampeg cabinet and an acoustic head. I, mean, I had a great bass rig for my guitar rig. Yeah. Um, and we got on stage and we were. It was it was like we were used to like punks from here, punks from there, but it was like punks from everywhere. It was like more punks, more punks, like just like like just come in and like I, I think at that point in time, we didn't really know from a bad neighborhood. We did not know that a bad neighborhood was a bad neighborhood. We just like it, yeah, I think this is something that needs to be stressed for the listener who may not be familiar with the camera. But this was a rough set. But see, I, as a teenager, in like in ninth grade, I would go into Philly a lot and just kind of hang out overnight in Philly um, with nowhere to stay, just like walking around all night. Um, my friend Steve and I, we would do stuff like, like, like we'd get like a, a bottle of whiskey and what are we going to do? Let's go to Camden. Like, so we'd go to Philly, we'd get on to Patco, and we'd ride over to Camden, and we'd just walk around in Camden drinking whiskey. Why would, why would you want to do that? Because <laughs> it, was, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, we'd walk around, and like, we'd be stuff like, we'd hang out, like, throwing, like, rocks at cop cars with little kids in Camden, like, running away. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, pl- playing football under an overpass, like, tossing a football back and forth. And we found there's that, the park, that's, I guess that's where the aquarium and everything is now, along the river, that was under construction. And we found that you could like climb over the fence, you could jump the fence, and you could hang out. And you had this entire park to yourself because no one else was in the park. It, it, it was like I guess other people, like criminal elements, didn't think like to jump mm. over. So we'd like to let's go to let's go to Camden, and let's go hang out in the park, the closed park in Camden, and we'd hang out there and like sleep on park benches, like stay the whole night on the park bench in Camden, like and playing guitars and stuff like that. So I had this kind of pre. Which was ridiculous. Why I was doing this, I don't know. I, I'm like, it's like, I, I wouldn't let my kids do half the things I did. But I, 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 I uh, so I had a kind of like, I was like, oh, Camden, that's where I would go hang out and all. But it, Camden was kind of rough. Camden was a, a rough town. Yeah, I, mean, I, I grew up in Camden County. Yeah. And Camden was always like another dimension. It would, it's the hell that you would go to if you were bad. I mean, people were terrified. To yeah. This place yeah. Existed. Yeah. So, and it always loomed. Yeah, it, you, it, if you had to do jury duty, you had to go to Camden. And uh, nobody nobody wanted to. Although that area wasn't you know as bad as the, the other part. But yeah, I, I, I think. I, <laughs> but it was. Like I said, we're like we were like oblivious. I think as to what a bad area it was. 
you know, I think of the fact that like when Ian got hit by the car, I think we were talking to the guys in um in Minor Threat. We were hanging out in their van, I think, talking to him when he actually got hit. Yeah, actually, you should have described that at least. It was so um people know. It, it basically we're like you know, everyone's like you're getting people. All these punks are flowing in. You're in you're in a, a pretty impoverished area, and punks are flowing into a a, a hall uh, like a, a wedding hall sort of yeah, thing. This is Buff Hall. Buff Hall was a wedding yeah. hall. And kids H- are had flowing. there been any shows at Buff Hall prior no, to this? N- never before. And I take it not since. this was it. And um. And we're, we're like hanging out and we're like oh cool my friend. like we all knew the records and everything and we're like hanging out I think I think I may have, I don't know if I'd seen them at, before at this point I think I may I may have I may have gone down to DC and seen them at this point um but they um they're hanging out in the van talking you know like blah 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 and so we hear like <laughs> like like uh, like squealing wheels something special something running away and we go out of the van and there's Ian I can remember he's kind of like like on his side, kind of getting up with, like, a bloody scalp, like, like just a bunch of blood all over his scalp. Um, SSD's van, I believe, got hit um, by the guy who had hit their van, so he damaged their van. And it was just, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, the lead singer, the headline band, just got hit by a and car. And this was just some guy who... It was just some in. guy, just some guy, like, like you, know, you know, maybe had a few, few too many pops, you know, mm-hmm. or something, or, like, it's like, oh, what are all these people doing in here? Like, you know, Saw a bunch of punk rockers in Camden. <laughs> thought he was hallucinating, and then thought he was seeing the devil or something. So, but the show, the show did go on, um, and it, it was an amazing first show for like a bunch of like you know. High you opened kids. the show. right? We opened the show. Yeah. We went on. Actually, wait, no. Um, Agnostic Front opened the show. <laughs> so Agnostic Front opened for you. Agnostic Front went on first. Um, I, I think I had seen them before. I had seen Agnostic Front before. I had seen Agnostic Front one of their first shows up at Two Plus Two. Um, or it was supposed to be A seven like um like Rich Kaufman and Cheryl and I had all gone up to New York and uh, we it was like I think we thought we thought like the Jerry's kid Jerry's kids the Jerry's kids we thought Jerry's <laughs> kids and, and Bad Brains were playing us in it but it ended up being like the Mob um and uh, I, I can't remember what was it the Mob and it was Agnostic Front it was the Agnostic Front's first shows and I think it was like like when Rabies was playing drums for him I think that's what was going on it's kind of like Ugh. But, uh, so, they, it was, so it was our first show, but they went on before us. Mm-hmm. I think because, like, I guess maybe we were local guys. That's why they were giving us a little better slot. But we went on, and Packed House and the people went off. Mm-hmm. And we must have been horrible. There, there is a video. There was a video in existence, because I remember watching the video. Um... Who would have that? I have no idea who would have that, but I remember watching and it. There, there should be an audio recording, because there's the Minor Threat Buff yeah. Ball 7-inch, which mm-hmm. is that show, obviously. I'm sure they deleted us. They just go, oh my god, what is this? But I guess I, 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 rem- I remember it, and I remember just like, I had all these guitars with me, and I play the song, and I break a string, and I just throw the guitar down on the stage, grab another guitar. So there were like guitars just lying on the stage while I was playing, and playing. we're like doing the other thing. Like, hey, the man, dog! You know, like the people are stage diving and going off, and like it's like, like uh, it's like like imagine like the best show happening at this is hardcore or something like that, and that's what our first show was like. <laughs> it was it was just like like people diving constantly, going crazy, going off like New York kids, Boston kids, Philly kids, Jersey kids, like you know like like, like DC kids, just all oh, like just going off, going crazy. And and like uh, I can't imagine having a better first show. You know, it was, <laughs> I, it, it, it was it was it was just amazing. We were just like ah, 
you know, like, like, like floating. And then I think um, went went to a party afterwards. Um, this this one girl, Mickey, used to always. She was from um, she was from South Jersey, and there'd be party. She was one of the people you'd go to a party at at Mickey's house after. Um, a punk rock show and I remember she was mad at her landlord so we climbed up on her roof and we peed down her landlord's chimney and dropped bags of flowers down it. <laughs> it was kind of... It was, it, was, it was a lot of punk rock shenanigans going on. But it was... I think... And after that show, I think... I guess we established ourselves as a band mm-hmm. yeah. playing that show. Um, you know, of course, the other bands are all just so good. You know, like I think a lot... We really... I think the the fact that Crib Def, aka Blunder Boys, were so good to us because they were like you know the the Burtwell brothers were just maybe a little older and you know and, and Dave Rashawn was playing drums and, and they were just so good we were just like oh my gosh they're so good like the songs they come up with are so good you know like all the other bands are so good they're so good like oh we should try and be better <laughs> <laughs> but um we got we got we, got, we played there we played a um, in Palmyra, we played like a VFW in Palmyra. It was it may have been uh, Blunder Boys, FOD, and then we played. The last show we did with Zeke was on New Year's Eve at um, Lofton Bainbridge, where Chuck Meehan was living, and um, it was that was the first White Eye show that we played that. And it was, it was I think it, it was like Chuck was one of the people I just started like uh, Chuck and I. You know, of course, everybody who comes to Philadelphia is going to meet Chuck Meehan. Mm-hmm. And I think Chuck and I would end up like walking together a lot because Chuck was a walker. And I, I, I walked around the city. So like Chuck and I would be like, Chuck and I just, oh, where's this place? Oh, it's only like 35 blocks? Well, let's walk it. You know, <laughs> me and Chuck Meehan walking for 35 blocks. You, know, just, like, so you certainly get to know somebody. Yeah. So, that, that great of time is, with them. And, like, so like, you know, we always like, you know, be like people like Chuck and then always hanging out. With, and I was like Rich Kaufman and Cheryl I hung out with a lot. You know, and I think there was kind of the kind of there was kind of a little bit of break between some of my friends, like who kind of just became they just kind of stayed like in the suburban kind of thing, or I was just like drawn like to the city. That's where I wanted to be. Like, like I'm always in the city. Got to be in the city. Like, you know, ba 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 ba. Did you move into the city? I I was there a lot, but I never I never actually had a city address. Mm. I, I even when I was um I was going to Temple for a while, and it was kind of like okay we go to school and then we'd go to my friends had a house in Fairmount so we'd be in Fairmount you know then like for days on end and I'd, I'd be in the city for days on end and I'd come home like oh where have you been oh I was in the city you know I never had a permanent I, I did a lot of couch surfing in the city but and what what did you what direction did the band go in then I mean clearly you, you... we did the, the three shows with Zeke then we got Dave um, playing bass and I think it was just because Dave, Dave and I uh, became like fast friends. Dave and I met, I met, I was, I don't even remember if it was a show or what. I was in the city hanging out and I ran into like um, Dave, Mark Sargent, um, Dave Burtwell and, and Rick Burtwell, the, th- the three of them. And we all ended up hanging together for the rest of the day. And then like, ah, we're going to Dave's house. So I went to Dave's house. And I'm, like, this is like, I'm just... I'm like a seventeen-year-old kid, like just in a city. I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to my. Oh, where is it? Okay, yeah, sure. I, I don't know how I'm getting home. I don't know. I'm, I just know I'm going out to like Ardmore to hang out, hang out at, Dave, at Dave's house. You and know? again, like, your parents have no input oh, in any no, of the situation. No, no, no. I'm, I'm feral. I'm yeah. feral at this point. <laughs> um, and, and we went. We went out to, to Dave's house. I remember we watched like New Wave Theater. Dave had cable TV, which was like. <gasps> 
cable TV. Wow. And um, we watched New Wave Theater, and I like I slept on Dave's couch, and like you know I I became like fast friends with Dave just because like the the oddball sense of humor, you know, and like the 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 music things, like a lot of like the same wavelength musically as far as things like that. I remember like Dave like playing a lot of, like 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 the the first time I heard the Descendants was like at Dave's house, like, like it was like the the, the seven inch. The uh, the ride the wild, is that what it is? The one that sounds like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. The one that sounds like. Yeah, 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 yeah. As opposed to what it goes. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, it sounds like a baby. But uh, but yeah, we. Uh, so I started hanging out with Dave and became friends with Dave and like friends with the, the whole crew, like those guys, Mark Sargent. Like I became good friends with those guys. And I think Zeke was kind of wanting to do some other. I think there's a little tension between Mano and Zeke, I think, because they were trying to be the cute guy in the band. <laughs> and no, <laughs> who's cute? I'm cuter than he is. No, I said, listen, you're both very attractive guys, but I'm the cute one. No, um, it was just like some like I don't even remember really like what it was, but I think he wanted to do some other stuff, you know. And he was like, it was I guess a little bit of a hard hardship for him being like you know 16 years old. And you know, band practices in Norristown, and you and you live on South Street, you know, mm-hmm. and like it's like, which was kind of neat, like having like actually your bass player living on South Street because literally like we like, hey, it's it's New Year's Eve, and we're we're in the we're in the window of the Eyes Gallery playing African instruments, and the police are here, like, it's like I live here. <laughs> what are you kids doing in the window of this store playing African instruments? <laughs> oh, I live in this store. That's why we're in the window playing African <laughs> instruments, you know. But um. So it just kind of like, you know, Zeke moved over into McRad and Dave came in and played FOD. And that kind of, I think we, we kind of moved from that point on from being like the three chord ragers to the four chord ragers mm-hmm. with bass solos. It kind of started being like stuff like where the, the more like, like the influence of like stuff like the jam and um, like the Dickies and that kind of stuff started to kind of come in like the more when did you start to expand outside of Philly to begin to play in other areas um I'm thinking we did um uh the first shows outside of Philly may have been like uh either Harrisburg I think like there was um Mike Rage and Jack Chiara used to do um hardcore for Central PA (laughs) And we would out and we would play like hardcore for Central PA. And I remember, and no, actually, actually, one of the first shows we played out of town, um, my friend, my friend Troy put on a show. And this is like he's my friend now. I didn't really know him then. He was just a guy putting on a show at the Hereford Firehouse, which is down the street from where I live now. And we went out and we played in Hereford at this firehouse. And what we, is Hereford? Yeah, like? Hereford is, um. If you go out to the end of Montgomery County and where you would make a right and be in Bucks County, head a little north and be in Lehigh County and go to the left to be in Berks County, that's where it's the last little outpost of Montgomery County, like the, the very. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, we, and I just remember we were driving there. We drove up 309 and we made that left on 663. And there's like, where are we? We're out in like the boonies. This is like whoa. And we played in. That was like like oh wow. And yeah. there was a scene. There were people who actually there were people came to their shows. Yeah, and there was like Lehigh. That's when Lehigh Valley kids came down to that show. So we kind of got like oh Lehigh Valley. 
but we played. We started playing in Central PA. We played with the Freeze a show out there. We played FOD and Wide Eye. Went and played like Mechanicsburg or something. And I still remember this. I still remember as we were driving, we were going in a couple cars. I still remember Chuck Meehan mooning Three Mile Island as we drove by. <laughs> like you just see like Chuck's butt sticking out a car window as we're going by. Show Mile those nuclear reactors. And it's like I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, Chuck's, Chuck's butt's going to be radioactive. <laughs> What's he going to do? It's horrible. What if it falls off? He's going to have to stand up all the time. But, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, we played some shows on Central PA. We played with the Freeze. Um, so we were doing like kind of like Central PA. Um, some Lehigh Valley shows. We started playing up in the valley, like at the, the, the Catasauqua, the, the playground. And, um, and we started doing... Um, I played Boston. We played we played CBGBs. The first time we played CBGBs was horrible. Do you remember who you played with and why was it so I don't horrible? remember who we played with, but it was horrible because like we, we we like I knew people from New York. I knew like the guys like from um like like um Vinny from Agnostic Front, um like guys from uh, Murphy's Law and stuff like that. And we played and I'm like, yeah, New York, yeah, fine. Like, like we know people from New York, New York punks, yeah. We get up there and we start playing. And it, I forget how we even got the show, but it wasn't like a friend's band had brought us on. We were just a band thrown onto this bill. And we start playing, and there were these three or four um, like kids with shaved heads, like kind of like pseudo skins. They weren't anybody I knew, sitting there on stage with their backs to us while we were playing. I go, you want to play the show, you got to play our kind of music. <laughs> And I was just going, oh, okay, I thought this was your kind of music. You know, it was like a really, like, like whoa, like not very welcoming. And being like like a, a goofy Philly kid where we're like, hey, hey, what's up, man? Oh, yeah. You know, like 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 the, the very, like, like Philly was always goofy and friendly. That's, I think, like, like, yes, people would be in the pit, like throwing each other around, getting bloodied or whatever or stuff like that. But we were goofy. Philly was a weird goofy scene like crazy like it'd be like oh um i, I just like for instance grinch punks was a thing in philly we were all grinch punks where everybody was getting like caps like but long like 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 i and my my mom and my mom my her kerchief and i and my cap like those long pointed kind of caps and they were all wearing them like like they're, oh we're grinch punks we're all gonna wear our grinch hats where, where does that come from um <clears throat> philadelphia it's weird um and like we're saying philly skins unite and be nice you know <laughs> just like like where it was always there was always like kind of like you know like do you have any feeling why philly developed in that really peculiar way in contrast to I the hard edge of new I, york i'm thinking DC? maybe because just the the mix of people the 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 it, 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 was, it was always like like the thing that like the, the the Philly. We didn't take ourselves as seriously as a lot of the other scenes kind of did. Like we were serious, but we were, were very, there, was, there was always a bit of laugh in it. You know, mm-hmm. there was always a bit of the laugh in it, and and there was always. I'd say it was like art damaged. Philly was kind of art arty, like kind of like there was like like. Like if you listen to like autistic behavior, that that band is art damaged. That is like like that that's just, and I mean that in the best like way possible. Like because if you hear like 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 a, a FOD stuff like at that at that time, you can hear the autistic behavior influence. You know where it's like the public image, kind of like the the droning guitars and stuff like. We of course translated it like ah, a million miles an hour, but that's still what, what kind of stuff we were doing. Um. 
you know, so is it being arty? Is it because there's a, that big art museum? I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's, it seems to be like a friendlier. The art museum was radiating waves. It was radiating waves of artiness and pretentiousness. <laughs> it was always kind of like weird, weirder, eclectic. Um, maybe it's because there was a, a, a lot of, of, of women and girls in the scene too. Maybe that's why we were maybe happier. I don't know. <laughs> Because that's the one thing that I always say is like people come like oh there's all these girls at the show and there was always like like a lot of my, my close friends who who are women I know from like the punk rock shows it was like it was like there was a very um it 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 wasn't like the all white guy show it wasn't like all white guys and white t-shirts and stuff like that you know yeah, it was yeah. it was just like um it was like a, a, a lot of different people from a lot of different like you know like you know like men women um gay straight um black white vietnamese japanese you know hispanic whatever it was a lot of different people in philly like yeah. a lot of different yeah there was always my experience as well you know coming into this you know clearly later than you and 87 or so and then going forward was that I was always surprised to later hear that people felt that hardcore was so white and so male because my own experience was that everybody was there and everybody yeah. for the most part uh, got along with each other and, and I always and, you know that's what I expected yeah. to see in other places and was taken aback when that yeah. apparently wasn't always the, the case everywhere because well, we, we played um, some shows down in Florida and we dealt with just like these insane racist skinheads like just like literally to the point where one of the guys that we ended up talking to that i ended up talking to about well, why do you hate black people my daddy before me and his daddy did. have you ever actually met anyone who's black you know it's, it's like come on no we don't have them around here you know like oh i wouldn't want to be but it, it, it was just like 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 this guy i was talking ended up actually being convicted of murdering a homeless man like this, this kid we found out later. Pretty tough move. But we'd 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 be down and there. We'd just be like, you know, it's it's like it's, oh, it's a bunch of bunch of white people, and they're like really horribly racist. And, and like white punk. And like you Yankees, like like oh, I guess I am a Yankee. You know, it was just it was just very 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 weird to be like mm. be in that situation. Like we're like oh, the like I remember because I met. Um, some girl down there, and like it's like she's like oh you guys are coming back down to. to, to Tampa, you should hang out with me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll hang out with you, you know, like, oh, like, like yes, of course I want to go hang out with like this, this cute punk rock girl. And um, we go to the beach and um, we're getting some food from, uh, from a kiosk and we get the food and the woman working there is black and this girl goes, I ain't touch enough with no, no nigger hands touched. And I just like, I'm just like, oh! <laughs> we just, we're just like, like, how can you say that? Like, what are you, like, like, like all of a sudden, like, it's like, it's like, she's like, she's like removed her mask and she's just like, yeah, you know, I was like, like, oh my God. Like, like okay, like our day at the beach is done. Let's go. And I remember, like, I was driving my van. <laughs> I had like a big uh, Dodge a 1972 Dodge Tradesman, and she was sitting in the shotgun. She was in the passenger seat. I was driving. The other guys in the back. I was so yeah. How do you enjoy that that hot dog? And I and there was construction going on, so they had those those um, the flashing yellow lights, mm -hmm. the the sawhorse type things, the, yeah. the barriers. The, so I and she go well. I go bam, and I hit one. <laughs> and I go over. She's like ah, ah. I go, 
bam, and another one. And she, oh, 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 like, like bam, 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 like like you know, like I kept hitting the stuff, like these things and knocking them over and making noises. She was so freaked out. We just like ditched her at her house and went like slept in a, a gas station somewhere. You know, it was like. That was par for the course for FOD on tour, like like hitting things. Um, we used to play road polo. Um, <laughs> where do you, I don't know if you remember the old jacks they used to have for um, like vans or cars, where it was like basically that that the, the post mm-hmm. and the big heavy metal part that was the actual jack, and you could jack it up the post. So we would get the post and the metal heavy metal part. So it was like like a big mallet almost, and you'd get to a construction site where they had all the orange cones lined up and you'd be going, I don't know, like, like 60 miles an hour. And you'd yell, you'd take this Jack, you'd hang out the car window with it and go, tally ho! And just start knocking over as many orange cones as you can with it. Like, tally ho! And, and didn't get busted for this? We never got busted that, for that. that. We never got busted for that. I don't know. So that, that was just par for the course. Yeah. Because like, I guess we did get a little crazy, like just living in a van for long mm, periods of time. Probably do it. But, but, the, yeah, but we we would play. I think that Boston, New York. We've never played DC. We used to play Baltimore uh, pretty re- pretty regularly. And I think the last before Mano left the band, the, we were supposed to play um, a show in Baltimore, opening for the Descendants. We were playing with Little Gentlemen. We're going down. They had rented a van to go down. And he was like, I heard, I, I was at the record store and I was putting some records away and I hurt myself. And now, who's saying this? This is Mano. Oh, he had like God. hurt himself and he couldn't play the show. I'm like, it's the Descendants. They rented a van. They sound like babies. We got it. We got it. <laughs> this is after they sounded like babies. This is when they sounded amazing. This is post Milo goes to college and all this is like, so we, we need to play this show, the Descendants. You know, these like little gentlemen rented a van. So we ended up, um, Rob. From the little gentleman played bass. Um, Dave played drums, and we did like we played some FOD songs and and like damned covers. Like we we're playing like New Rose and stuff like that. I don't know how horrible we sounded, but like we just gotta play. <laughs> we just gonna play. This is, this is our chance to get on a really big show in, in like a, a city called really And I think it was I don't think uh, he played a show or two after that fuss. Then he was like he was he was into like. Um, I remember like Mickey Hart's Rhythm Devils, like like we, we he had very eclectic musical taste. Mickey I have, Hart from the Grateful Dead. Yeah, 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 oh, okay. yeah. yeah. And I I always had like very like I think that's one of the reasons that that we clicked is that we both had very like out there taste. Like we would listen to anything and everything, and he was more. I think that's what he he wanted to do. That he wanted to be like. I don't want to be in the world of like which you know I know he can do well and he loved. But I think he wanted to be like surrounded by conga drums and you know and like you listen to FOD stuff. We've got Rototoms on a hardcore record in 1983. You know, there's like friggin' Rototoms and drum overdubs. So his brain was definitely moving in that direction of wanting to do that kind of stuff. And um, and he's very successful in doing different kind of crazy stuff. You know, he's like, I think from that he went on doing like E Tribe, which is like you know like. 900 people playing congas and a girl singing and you know like very theatrical and fun stuff you know so you know so then that's when we got bob in the band and 
I think I think when we had when, when before uh, Mano had left the band, I was trying to book a tour. Uh, we did a white flag from um, Los Angeles came out. They did an East Coast tour, and we did the shows with them uh, all up and down the East Coast. And it kind of got, <laughs> it was his final week. It was Mano's final week finals in high school. So we would drive to Boston, play a gig in Boston. Drive home, and this is in Dave Rochon's on uh, like '69 Impala. <laughs> you know, we and like he would drive the Impala back. He would take the class after school. We drive up to Rhode Island, played the next night of the tour in Rhode Island. Drive back home so he could take his class, Oof. his quiz, and stuff. <clears throat> and so we we done that kind of tour. And then we decided that we wanted a tour, and like man, I was like, oh, I can't do this thing. So but I, I can't really. Da 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 da. Like once we got Bob in, it was just like. Yeah, sure, I'll play. Like, 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 yeah, let's go. You know. So at that point, we just started like. Dave started calling people. I started calling people, and we just got in the van and just would go. Well, what was your life like outside of the band at the time? Were you in school or pursuing some sort of a um, career? Or what? Um, <laughs> was there anything outside of the band? Uh, I, I, I just I basically I kind of just stopped going to high school, because I liked sleeping a lot. <laughs> Uh, it was funny. Well, I, I years later, I, I I have narcolepsy. I have sleep apnea, um, and I would literally I would sleep through classes. I'd go to school. I'd be in AP English sleeping, and I'm like, I, I said, why, why wasn't there a responsible adult around to say, wake your ass up? Mm-hmm. Like, why did no one tell me to wake up and pay attention? You know, but um, yeah, I, I was really just just I, I just would would cut school all the time, and I finally just I went. I got my GED. So I could say goodbye to high school, and I started going to Temple. I went to Temple for a couple of years. Um, like Tor- heading towards what? Uh, film major. I wanted to make movies, yeah. but I think it, the my desire to make movies kind of I didn't really that kind of waned, and I kind of got more into like music. I just wanted like I, I want to make punk rock. <laughs> like this is like a movie like I, there's the things that are like the movies and I just really liked thinking about records and how things or sounds may, are made and and this and how guitar sounds like yeah, I can put this like I, I, I think even with like um, the love song 7 inch I'm like I want to just make a track of feedback in this song like I just want there to be feedback like just a track, like, like like I don't know if anyone has ever heard it or knows something, but yeah, I just want there to be feedback. Just like the guitar's gonna ring and then there's gonna be feedback. Can you just record the feedback? Like I want to do this. Like it's just like it's like kind of like like very like the same kind of thing I guess when someone would do like editing a film and stuff like that because I'd done that kind of stuff in high school and like the, the TV lab like like editing video and that kind of like stuff and um I just kind of like to move it into the. Well, when, when you were focused towards the film, were there certain directors that, that you know, were your guys? Ah, uh, Sergei Eisenstein. I really wanted to make the next Battleship Potemkin. I really... <laughs> I wanted to push a baby carriage down some steps in Russia. Um, I, I really... Um, like, the, the obvious thing, like, 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 like De Palma, like Phantom of the Paradise, like Brian De Palma, that kind of stuff. Um... Uh, I, for a long time, my favorite film was like the Cocteau, Beauty and the Beast. That mm-hmm. was like it that was for me. I was just like, oh, it's so weird. It's dreamy. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's dream. It's a dream. It's a horrible dream, but it's a beautiful, horrible dream. Um, I, I didn't, you know, I, 
it's funny. I, I'm going to say, I guess the Star Wars is a big thing right now, and I was like a science fiction buff, and I made it for the first Star Wars movie until punk rock made me too cynical mm-hmm. to see that. So you, you weren't you weren't in the scene uh, by the time Empire came out. No, no, I, I, I just I became I became cynical. I I became like I like all of a sudden like, um, I was I was there for Close Encounters of the of the Third Kind. I bailed before ET. It was that kind of thing, you know. I like there was like kind of I could see there's a cutoff point in those, like like kind of like um, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas kind of things. I, I like, I, you know, I, I just I started to hit like darker kind of weirder stuff, you know. At the at this time, did you see a lot of uh, drug use in the scene or amongst the the people that were close uh, to you? Like, uh, as a kid, there was weed. Um, there was weed. There was like you know, like the the you'd get a forty. I actually a quart bottle. We'd get quarts of beer. This is we're, that's that's how old school we were. We would go and buy a quart bottle of malt liquor, not a forty ounce, a quart bottle, thirty two ounces of malt liquor, perfectly respectable. Um, so there was a bit of drinking. There was weed. I know um, there were people doing like like meth. That wasn't my thing. I wasn't like a, a meth person. But I knew there was like there was stuff around. Um. Like there was always weed around, uh, but nothing like I know. At that point, no one I knew personally was involved with like heroin or anything like that. You know, like you would, like now at my this point in my life, I've known people who've died from heroin. I've had, had close friends who, who died from um, like drug addiction. So it's um, you know, it it was there. But maybe but I think older people may have been doing the heroin than like than our group. It was always like weed and then like um a little bit later like hallucinogens, you know, like like um acid and uh, mushrooms, that kind of stuff. Did you use those? Oh did I? <laughs> <laughs> um Oh yeah. Yeah. There there there's definitely like um Do you wanna talk about the first version of Love Songs? I don't know if that was. I don't know. If, I don't know if we were uh, on drugs at that point, but we may have been. It may, it may have been um, um, Otto Capobianco, who I, I believe is in the NAS now, um, and he recorded FOD. He recorded Wide Eye. He recorded um, some. I know um, Electric Love Muffin kind of demos um, with stuff like um, Final Conflict. The Final Conflict Philly, which is a different band with. Um, um, Kimba, the guitar player from Final Conflict, was just amazing. Just amazing guy. He actually, he's actually uh, helped me get my first real guitar ramp and stuff like that. Like there's always, there's always like nicer people, a little bit older than me, who were helping me out along the way. And that was another great thing about Philly. But we we were in this basement, and Otto was kind of like an old head kind of guy, and so there was like weed being smoked and. Hey, put some of this on the vocals. Like, hey, it's, it's, do these it, exist? These recordings, yeah, yeah. It's the most crazy psychedelic. Like, hard. It was like, 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 um, unintentionally, like the butthole surfers, baby. <laughs> just that was just like, like, whoa, 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 Definitely a hole in the tape somewhere. I guess a track got disarmed and rearmed. And to fix it, somebody just put delay over the drums. So the drums just stop, but there's this out-of-time delay <laughs> that fills the gap. <laughs> yeah, it was I've like, never heard anything like it. it. It was crazy. And, like, he would record it. It was in Logan. He lived in Logan. And we go down the basement. And, like, 
his dogs would run around the basement. Oh, so you have to clean up some dog crap to put the drums and the speakers and stuff like that. You know, but he's a great guy. Great, great, a lot of fun. I remember. I remember he's like, oh, let me play, <laughs> let me play you some of my songs, and it was a, like he was like into doing crazy funny songs. I still remember the song. It was called Blind Date. And it was about like dating a blind girl. <laughs> it's like blind date, blind date, she's blind, blind date, blind date. She can't see. <laughs> the, the lyrical depth is stunning. Yeah, I think there was there's more to it than that, you know. But it was like, oh, she's my blind date, blind date. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think that like, um, uh, like now, like now, I'm like um, upstanding citizen you know i got kids i don't i don't honestly don't have time for any kind of stuff like that but you know it's like i guess it's like college kids and stuff like that age you experiment with that kind of thing and um yeah we did some ex experimentation mm -hmm. and i think i think there's a, i think it was a flip side in a uh, review of some fod stuff said it was around the time i think there's some other like philly bands because i like, finally figured it out like philly is acid core <laughs> like Philly, the Philly music, because some of the FOD is really trippy and really weird, and you know, I was like, you know, I could think the some of the other bands, like the the big thing. Um, I'd imagine the Morphines when you could yeah, fall Morphine, to an acid core. It's like Morphine, I think it was that that, that rave records thing when mm -hmm. um, when when Todd Cote and Rich Hope were doing rave records, and you had like you know the big thing, Morphines, um, FOD, and it was all just a kind of weird. Like off kilter, and I think like uh, like like spacey, trippy kind of like hard punk rock, you know. Just yeah, I think maybe maybe we were all on drugs. I don't know. Fair enough. Did you have any questions about this? this uh, so era? yeah, I th guess that that era is pretty interesting. Uh, so that would be around when down when pe down with people came out. Yeah, yeah. And then then that's when you start going to Europe. At that point, yeah, yeah, that was like in um like ninety early nineties because we had toured like we toured the U.S. and our like our first it was always very like like hit or miss, but we would play some really great shows and they were all small. They're like or something, I guess. Something, but like compared to like you know, um, it wasn't like the truck. It wasn't like like your band like touring like like no effects tours or something. You would play like your typical small shows like halls and this one and that one and they play for a lot of great bands and have a lot of fun and make no money and be totally poor and and um you know the van's breaking down you know like then then they go we oh we're gonna we have to like change the tire on the van oh wait we're on an incline hold the van <laughs> we took the wheel off and the van's rolling on top of us hold it put the wheel back on put the wheel back on you know and like everyone like sleeping and me thinking, oh, that's a gopher in the road and running over it, but it's actually a boulder in the road. And then two days later, the drive shaft falling off the van as we're driving down a mountain from Oregon into California. Here's oh, must be the flat tire. No, it's not a flat tire. Okay, oh, it's the drive shaft. Just just but we 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 toured around and we did one tour. Like we did stuff like we play um, in Madison, right? We played Madison, Wisconsin. Played the show. After the show, there's a party. We're at the party, and the party ends up having everyone like leaving the party, grabbing like instruments and doing a parade for Madison, like banging on drums <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, we said, okay, we gotta do another tour. And I think at this point, hardcore died. 
people either decide I'm a really good guitarist, I should play metal, or I've smoked a lot of weed, I'm going to do psychedelic folk or whatever. P themes are kind of like. What, what year are you saying? Uh, um, late eighties. Okay. We're talking about late eighties, like like um, is it start? It's just started kind of like 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 people started. I would say that when like um, the Enigma records started coming, when Enigma like stuff like that, when mm -hmm. um. Uh, it's just kind of like it started like to to go in other directions and stuff like that. A lot of the um, the like like a lot of the the metal stuff started to kind of come in, you know, like then um, maybe some of like the youth crew kind of stuff was coming in more, you know, where it's kind of like you know, like oh okay, uh, <laughs> okay, that's that's okay, all right, I'm kind of down with that, but it's not really what we are because we were very much a punk band. Like we were not like like a thrash core metal band. We weren't metalheads. We'd never been metalheads. We didn't try and be metalheads. It's you know metal. Hey, whatever. Metal metal is metal. Fine. God bless metal. You know. Um, yeah, but it, it just wasn't like where we were coming from. We were a punk band. I think this tremendously worked to your advantage. Looking back over this, that there's not the bad metal record in, 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 in the oeuvre uh, as I know so many other bands. Yeah, you know, it's like, it's like and, and so the, the bands were kind of doing that, and we we did a tour of um, another tour, and we played in Madison, and we're thinking, Madison, this is going to be great. Madison is going to be awesome. We love Madison. We get to Madison, we're playing some youth center, and it was horrible. It was a horrible show. The, the people were just, it was just like, it's kind of like, like it was, uh, the show didn't smell like, like weed or beer or hairspray or leather. It smelled like detergent. It smelled <laughs> like Tide. Like, and, and then the, the, it was funny. I, I think it was, um, we were selling the t-shirts with like the, uh, the, the smiley face Grim Reaper that my, my friend, um, Rust Eye, um, Clutch had made for us he was a, he's an artist he's in oregon now i think and he was in texas and he had made the t-shirts for us and there was a kid there and he had a a tattoo of a grim reaper smiley face I'm like oh you're there oh no this is, i i thought this up this is this is for my band I'm like, oh well and his friends started clowning him like hey you should join their band <laughs> you know like ah, you already got the tattoo you know, we're like, oh. but it was a horrible show and I'm like, oh, let's just drag our tails back to the van, like this horrible fucking show. The guy who promoted the show, who kind of reminded me a little bit of Luis from Sesame Street, like a kind of long hair kind of guy, like kind of like, but styling, kind of like like long hair. Like, hey, some of the equipment is missing, like like the for part of their PA is missing, like the power amp or something. Do you guys have it? Like, no, we don't have your power amp. Like. Can we search your van? I'm like, what? Can we search your van? Uh, yeah, sure. Search the van. Like, and they, they go looking for the van all serious, like, like we steal the solar power amp. Obviously, it wasn't there. And he's like, hey, man, it's on the wind. It's on the wind, man. Like, what like, does that even mean? I mean, it's just forgotten. It's, all, uh, it's blown away. Like, okay. like, fuck you. It's on the wind. <laughs> like, like, like you, you accused <laughs> us of stealing your shitty PA, and now it's on the wind yeah. when you found out we didn't steal it? So that was kind of like the, the mindset for that last tour where it's kind of like the hardcore thing. The, the punk thing was kind of dying. People were going on to other kind of things. And we were kind of like, hey, we're the punk band and we're coming to your town and there's no one here. <laughs> and, and, and the show really sucks. And 
At that point, we had hooked up. I started getting phone calls from Germany, and it was um, Jurgen from Bitscore Records, and wanted to do FOD record. I think they wanted to re-release um, the Love Song Seven Inch at first, and they put the Philly comp song comp songs in. They did that, and they wanted us to come to Germany. So, we did a record. They sent some money to do a record. We did a record. We went to Germany. We played a show, and it was a packed show, and people were stage diving and singing along, and it was crazy, and then we played another show, and it was packed, and there's people singing along, and it's crazy, and we did, like, a, a FOD headlining show in, like, Eastern, in, like, Potsdam, and, like, a thousand people show up for, like, an FOD show, and it was kind of like, oh, there's something going on over here in Germany. <laughs> And I think we, 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 haven't, we haven't toured the U.S. We did like, ended up doing like three tours of Europe. And it's all been very good. Europe was very nice to FOD. It's very... And but when you came back, you persisted. <laughs> no, we, we came back. See, I want to say this. That if we should have just stayed in, in Europe. We really should have <laughs> just stayed. We, we should have just stayed over there. Um, <laughs> but we came home and, and, really you. and we came home and we're playing like oh we're gonna play the friends <laughs> to like the same like 15 people who are 15 20 friends like wave them, hey guys hey guys da, 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 da. play like our same like you know kind of like whatever shows in the u.s and um then go to go to, to germany and play amazing shows you know so Kind of, kind of weird. We should have stayed there, I think, but that's just me. Uh, <laughs> you know, but we we got you know it, it is just like a lot of riding around in vans and playing like a lot of shows over there. This was awesome. You know, just like I think kind of made for a better band to come back and go into the studio and the fact that we were doing like the, that whole that whole tour thing, like to just be like 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 like, like thirty nine cities in forty two days. Mm -hmm. you know just just play that you know like like play that then we came back and we recorded um we recorded down with people before we left and then we got back and that's when we recorded hate rock and some of that was even written like um one of the songs i remember gasoline suit i remember writing it on stage during a sound check like in Germany, just kind of like, ah, like looking out, you know, so I think that that kind of like really like kind of made the band like better in the studio. And we had our friend, um, I think we made a good decision. We had our friend Art come in and do the, be a producer, someone to come in, like an, another brain, another set of eyes come in because he had he'd recorded some stuff at his, um, um, his home studio in Philly. He had recorded some FOD stuff and we took him with him, us with him into the studio and so we had someone who could kind of say, well, guys, yeah, guys. Because I think left, left to our own devices, FOD is, it's, it's three, three people who know a thing should be done and like, rewind that, I want to hear that snare. Let's put another this on, let's do this on, let's, let's, um, oh, let's, let's. Put a gong on this. Must, let's let's no put guys. a. Bruce uh, is nodding his head. Let's put a, let's put a gong on this song. Oh, do we know? Oh wait, 
well, no, we have a sampler with gong samples. Well, here, we'll try and add the gong samples. You know, and the, the, the engineer's like, yeah, sure, go for it, guys. Like, cha-ching, yeah. cha-ching, cha-ching, you know. And, like, I just remember, like, 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 like um, it was, like, after, like, pizza and beer and, like, Everyone's got kind of a little bit tipsy, and they're trying like to hit the the sampler with the gongs and stuff. I'm just like, ah. So it was good to have someone like for Hate Rock, and we were at a very like we had an idea of what we wanted to do for that record, and we kind of went in and did it. And it was good to have somebody else other than just FOD working on the record. So that was what 1994. That was like 94. Yeah, yeah. to death. And then you tour after you did we, another European tour. We did another right European after that. after that. Yeah, we went back to Europe. That was like I think we were almost it was almost three months that we were there. It was a long time. It seemed like it was just like and that and that was that was a, a, a poorly managed tour because <laughs> Chuck Chuck Meehan went over with us and I think he saw we would like play a show and then. <laughs> And they'd have nowhere set up for us to stay. And we'd be shivering in sleeping bags in a van like in, in the Swiss Alps. <laughs> you know, but it's also we met some really good friends on that tour. Like we still, like who are store friends to this day over, over like our friends Phil, Phil Schultz and Full Force Phil. Some really good friends. Nice. And then uh, Everything Sucks is after that. It's... Everything Sucks is after that. Um... Which I'm trying to think why we did we oh that was actually work of um friend Gary who actually went to high school it was at his at Cycle Sound which was his studio and um that was that was um that's our indie rock record I think that <laughs> <laughs> so I think at that point I think because we had been we had been practicing in Philly uh, we would practice at the Rave Records warehouse in Philly so we were like. I guess we were very much at that point. We were very much a Philly band, and that we were like, practice was in Philly. We were yeah. in the city constantly, um, you know. And we, were, we were playing a lot of shows. We were playing like I don't make it sound like every show we played in Philly was hard. But we played like uh, it was. It was kind of like at that point the scene was constantly turning over. Yeah, and then things had sort of picked back up again. Yeah, at that point there's Stalag. We were playing Stalag and stuff yeah. like that, you know. And then we were getting some really good shows, like playing like a. I I, I still remember like. Like like playing it was like some three day punk fest at Stalag, and I, I I can still remember it because I had um I have that Dawn of the Dead book, um, <laughs> I, it was it was a three it was a three it was a three day thing at Stalag I think and um, I remember stepping over some people who were passed out to get to the bathroom because I had a broken forty ounce bottle that I was going to use as a glass to get beer out of the keg and I'm in there washing this broken 40 ounce bottle in the sink and some girl comes in and drops trowel and starts peeing and I'm having a conversation with her while she's peeing and I'm watching it and that, that really that's really like that this is like Stalin this is like Philly <laughs> Paul could have just pissed on the floor you know, no you know she could have pissed she could have peed on the guy who passed out and he'd be oh I feel fresh <laughs> this is really good for my dry skin I <laughs> but, uh, and um yeah, like like that, that which is kind of like it was very punk, which was very much like you know, the FOD mindset, you know. So there's there some good things happening in Philly again for us, but there was some like, some just periods in Philly where like 
like very we very just feel like odd man out you know it's just like you know what's what's happening in philly that's anything like hardcore or punk and stuff like that and it just wasn't there yeah surely there's a period where people are sitting on the floor with a backpack you know very very sensitively listening to the music and it's not quite the experience <laughs> well, you, you know but we were, we were kind of sensitive too like we always saw ourselves as being sensitive like we always like the thing is we always saw ourselves as progressing and doing new stuff and different stuff and like 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 yeah yeah yeah, we're a pop band. Yeah, we're a psychedelic band. Like we're we we I mean, these were our influences, like like weird garage rock and like sixties stuff and, and and like this we were into that stuff and like we thought that it was like translated through our brains that we were making this stuff. And um <laughs> not the first time the cat's intruded and, and, um, and, and, and like and, but I think like the rest of the world was kind of like okay uh, you know at that point we weren't really fitting into the the youth crew hardcore kind of stuff we didn't really fit into the metalcore kind of stuff um you know we didn't really fit into the pop punk kind of stuff. like we didn't really fit into any of those like little subgenres because at that point it, things had just broken off into so yeah. many different little subgenres and we didn't really fit into any one of them but people from all of those subgenres kind of liked us it was kind of like like we would have a kid who was into like like grindcore kind of stuff like us and we'd have like somebody who's into like the pop punk kind of like us because there's kind of like elements of that stuff going mm. on there so but they really liked us in Germany. <laughs> That's good. Do you think you would ever go back again? Um, I, I, I can't. I, I'd like to, but it, it just it's on, on the list of things to do. It's not really, you know, I don't have a burning desire to go there. It would be fun and all, but uh, you know, I I make breakfast for my kids. That's more more important for me in my worldview is like making breakfast for my kids, packing school lunches, you know, like that kind of stuff is what I'm focused on right now. Maybe if they're older and they're like, Dad, we're really sick of you. Your school lunches suck. We want to buy chicken nuggets. Fuck you. Get out of the house. And I'll say, okay, I'm going to go over, you know, Germany. But I, I think right now, <clears throat> you know, when, when you're like, in a household and you're actually like making money to support that household and support your family. The idea of taking what is basically a two or three week vacation for very, it makes you feel good, helps your ego, your artistic, blah, 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 blah. It kind of, it just doesn't fit into my plan. Well, you know? Europe, I imagine would at least be money. Unlike the U S I mean, you could perhaps justify it by saying you probably pay for There are offers. Oh, are there? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm sure Europe would like to see that. I mean, it's also it, it's it's so peculiar to find a band that has existed so long consistently. I mean, there was never a point where the band broke up. No, no. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to try to think of any other punk hardcore bands who have had that consistent. Uh, you know, without a yeah. gap. Yeah, there's no there's no year without a show. There's no yeah. year without. Practicing. Is, do you I know? Just, you probably know better than me. Is there? Are there other bands that that have that comparable every time, record? Every time someone <laughs> brings up a band, it'll be like, yeah, but they changed all but one guy five times over, or yeah, yeah but they didn't do anything for three whole years, and so it's hard to know exactly. But I, I don't know that there's a longer standing American hardcore band. That is quite impressive. We're foolhardy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we're very foolish. <laughs> we, we haven't learned our lesson. What? There again? I, I think it's also really impressive that 
successive generations of young people come into this city and they, they hear about this band if they haven't heard about you already. And they're not at all in opposition to the band, like, oh, these are the old guys. Uh-huh. It, it, they hone right in on what you do. I mean, I know, you know when I came into the thing, like, FOD was this great band. Mm-hmm. And then when I started doing shows in the late 80s and early 90s, like, FOD has to play your show. It's Philly. And, and these young people would come out and new generations would always see this thing. Mm-hmm. Perhaps in part because of the, there was always an enthusiasm and a vitality. It never came over as old guys going through the moves there was always a lot of like raging enthusiasm which I think young people can you know uh, yeah, they're, people, they're gonna tell us you're a phony yeah mm-hmm. kids, kids can tell they can spot a phony it's like when I try and dance and my daughter tells me I'm not a good dancer she knows I'm not a good dancer <laughs> she knows I'm a fake dancer she, I do my little dance hey, hey, hey. stop dancing you're horrible like oh. she's 11 she's very worldly yeah. <laughs> Uh, I guess we'll begin to, to start to, to bring it to an end. There's, there's something that I wanted to bring up, and then if you have anything you wanted to bring in. But uh, one of the things that it kind of ties into that is that I always kind of consider you to be a very solid citizen in that uh, there are certain people who would move through the, the scene, who would become older, who would be maybe on the periphery as be perceived as sort of a lecherous, or maybe they're you know like 49 years old, 50 years old, and they're wearing... Uh, leather bondage trousers and they have a weird mohawk but they're mostly bald uh-huh. you know and uh, so young young people would kind of keep a distance from that yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. person and then there's also people who who move through this scene who who retain this enthusiasm uh, and can still relate to younger people without seeming weird and lecherous uh-huh. Chuck Meehan I think is a great yeah, example yeah. of like kids you know hear about this guy and they genuinely respect him or like Ian MacKay he doesn't he's not going to be making some like weird homophobic statement on Facebook <laughs> or like where have this weird period you know the, yeah, because yeah, yeah, you've yeah. known these people who have either fallen into drugs or bad behavior uh-huh. or, or all sorts of things they kind of push them away from that and make people scurry away from yeah, yeah, them yeah. and I always like the fact that you were a very consistent presence as being someone who had an enthusiasm and an integrity that people could relate to rather than, than you know step away from well, I've been working at it I've been trying to <laughs> <laughs> try to appear lecherous <laughs> Yeah, it's not really a question. I guess it's more of an uh-huh. observation. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I think I think you, you you do see people who kind of go crazy, and you kind of you kind of like you kind of go, like, oh, okay, what's up? Yeah, I'm like you know, but I I, I think maybe be, I I don't know what it is that like I like I I, I maybe this has hurt the band or or been good for the band. Is that there's something very embarrassing about being in a band? There's, there's something like like the whole self promotion and the image kind of things, and the whole kind of like oh, come see my band. And we've always kind of like shied away from it almost. Maybe that's part of it that we never tried to build up an image or or like take. Band photos. Yeah, we're I guess some people were taking the pictures earlier. Your discomfort for being, you know, photographed. Yeah, for like this. It's, it's 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 like you know we're never like really like like ah, we're gonna be get the image and we're gonna get a, a logo. It's like people are like hey I need a logo for the band. I'm like oh we don't really have a logo. You know it's like like the things that people do when they get into a band that are very like I, I used to call it um, like New Jersey Aquarian Weekly bands. 
who were like they they would have like the logo like you'd pick up like the music magazines the free music magazine they'd have their big logo and they had the shot where they got their hair and they had their attitude well this is someone who probably spent a lot of time in the mirror before they actually yeah yeah, 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 so yeah, that, yeah so that groundwork has been done the yeah. logo has been made and I think and, I think the older band is just we should spend like kind of like hey, it's, it's something that we do and it's just like we're just like hey we're here to hang out we're here to because this is one of the things that we found that in Europe maybe this is what, we would get to this gig and they and, and they're just so nice, the way that 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 shows are done in Europe. And I think some of this is translating into this to the U.S. now, where they would like, here's something to eat. We're gonna make you dinner. It's always spaghetti though, isn't it? It's you know, it was always a lot of good, different stuff, a lot of, uh, like off luft or something like that. You know, like like, like just like a lot of vegetarian food. Here's some orange juice. Here's some water. Here's some beer. Mm-hmm. How you guys doing? Here's where you can sleep tonight. You know, it's just all like very. And when we, oh, thank you, thank you. We just end up hanging out with the people. Like if they're making us food, we'd end up hanging out in the kitchen, like talking to them while they're making us food. Oh, well, you're the bartender. We'd hang out talking to the bartender, you know, like stuff like that. And go, oh, this is weird. You know, like a lot of American bands, when they come through, they just sit in their van. Mm-hmm. Like, really? Like, yeah, they just sit in their van and they play video games on the, or like, I was, I was like, I think, um, in the 90s was the time when there was a lot of like um, the bigger punk bands uh, that kind of like would tour in vans like with the, the buses with the yeah. bunk beds and mm-hmm. stuff like that and they were playing like the same venues that we were you know so I, I guess they went home with absolutely no money whatsoever if they were paying for like a bus <laughs> but um, you know and it was just like you know the people there they just don't they don't hang out with us they don't talk to us they just come out they play the show and then they disappear and like and some people were just kind of like Hey, what's up? Hey, how you doing? You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of just the thing. You know, I don't know. maybe our, our mothers raised us right, or we were just feral and had to <laughs> fend for ourselves. <laughs> From the interview, it sounds like the latter. Yeah, yeah we're feral. <laughs> I, I don't really have too much to add. You got got most of the stuff with no, without going too into detail on crazy tour stories or anything. But that could go on forever. Oh yeah, that could just go on. Is there is there one you want to throw out as a a crazy one? Um, Gun, there was a lot, in the one tour in the U.S., there was a lot of gunplay. There was a lot of gunplay involved. Um, I remember, we were, I think they started, we were in, um, there was the Greystone, which was in um, Detroit, which was a, a punk club, and Scary Carey was the guy who ran the, the Greystone. And I remember we were there, I think we were playing there at the Electric Love Muffin, and, um, and we were all hanging out, and he was like feeding us and giving us drinks and all. And uh, they he had, this is back when they had the giant projection TVs. It was like a large screen TV, but it was projection. And he put on a movie. It was the Dong Show. It was a porno. Parody it was a of the porno Gong show. parody of the Gong oh, Show, man, starring man. Wendy Williams. And I think I think she was like she was ringing the 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 gong by shooting ping pong balls out of her nether regions. So it was just this was a very like a surreal situation to be in. Like you were on tour. We're in Detroit. There's this this bizarre pornography playing on a giant stream. These were very, pretty new at that point. You, know, you didn't walk into a house with a big TV, you went on our little TV. And some guy crashed his Cadillac into the riot gate, the, 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 the screen in front of the Crayston. He crashed it. And so Scary went out with his gun and started like, shooting his gun. <laughs> and that was the one bit of gun playing. <laughs> then we ended up in, I think it was in Oregon, baby. We played this show as an attic and it was this guy... Skinhead kid, nice kid. He's like, 
you guys, I, you gotta come to my house. I'm gonna feed you guys. I'm, come on, you gotta come to my house. I'm gonna feed you. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, come on, guys, you gotta come to my house. I'm gonna feed you guys. I'm gonna feed you. I gotta make it food for you. I'm gonna food for you. You guys are on tour. I'm gonna feed you guys. I'll hook you up. I'll hook you up. Okay, you know what? This guy seems kind of crazy, but he does want to feed us. That's a plus. <laughs> yeah. So, like, okay, we're gonna go get get some food. The guy, we're gonna go. Like, okay, I'll make something for you. Uh, 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 uh. Like a box of instant macaroni and cheese. He makes a box, a pot of macaroni and cheese for us. Like, hey, like it's it's free. You know, because at this point we would do stuff like we'd like go to like a Wendy's all you can eat buffet and just eat as much as we possibly could. Like pay for one plate and just all of us eat and then fill up boxes and take the food out with us for the back door. Like, oh, we've got potatoes and, and vegetarian chili. And, blah, 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 yeah. and um, and so he's like, I'm gonna feed you. We got macaroni. We're sitting there eating our macaroni and cheese. And I got food for you. I feed you. And he starts to. Where's my girlfriend? I didn't see her. He starts going, he's got on the phone, he's trying to call his girlfriend. She's like, there. Reaches into his closet, pulls out a rifle. And we're sitting here like on the sofa eating our macaroni and cheese. Okay, he's got a rifle. <laughs> he opens up the window, starts shooting the rifle out the window, like bam, 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 because he's angry because his girlfriend, he can't find his girlfriend. <laughs> he's like, it's <laughs> keeping our macaroni and cheese. Uh, we finished our macaroni and cheese. <laughs> you guys want to stay here the night? Like, oh uh, yeah, we gotta make it to the next show. And you said this was a nice guy. This was a nice guy. He seemed like a nice guy, but he went crazy. He thought he was a nice guy. Then um, the third bit of gunplay on that tour, um, we were playing in Las Vegas. We played. Um, I remember the one kid, Danny. It was the Las Vegas Party Mansion. Is where we went. And um, we, we walk into the house. The first thing we did, there's these like these these girls answer the door and they're like shh 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 like like okay. So there's punk rock girls. They're telling us to be quiet. We're gonna be quiet because they seem to have good reason. We go in there. There's the the kid Danny who's putting on the show, passed out asleep on the floor, and they've got shaving cream all over his chest and they've got a razor. <laughs> <laughs> And so like, oh, okay, this, 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 this is Las Vegas. You know, and they're like, you know, he wakes up, like, fuck you guys. We played a show that night. It's out in, I guess they call them a drainage areas out in the desert. They have like the overflow areas where like the, um, when, when it does rain, they need these massive concrete structures so all the rain doesn't just go everywhere. And it was out, way out in the desert is in one of these things. They had a generator set up. And um, a local band played and we start playing. All these skinheads Vegas skinheads show up and they're all waving American flags because we're flag of democracy. So obviously they're going to come wave them. The skinheads are all going to come and wave American flags at us. And I think I said something to the the, the like of like, um, hey, you know, I'm all for freedom of speech, whatever opinion you want to have, but this is our show and this is our time right now for our speech. So you can take your shit somewhere else. And that didn't go over too well. <laughs> and, um, you know, not that I hate America or skinheads, you know. Like, you know, they could have been 69, like, suede heads or something. I don't know, but probably, whatever. Probably not. They only, only listened to the first Screwdriver record, but... <laughs> that screwdriver were punk back then. But they, they this kind of got these guys pissed off. And they started to get into it with... Um, some of the guys, the promoter for the show, this kid Danny and some, and his one roommate was this guy, like he looked like a Viking, he had the like, long bleached out hair, was like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, and I, I remember, like we had finished playing and we started packing up our stuff and the skinhead, it was still going to get, a brawl started going on, like the fight, like, oh, fuck you. And I remember 
This was all on a generator. The generator started to flicker on and off. So the lights were flickering. We're in the middle of the desert. I see the big guy pulling like a skinhead off of Danny who was trying to hit like actually like like like, like picking him up by the, the shoulders and pulling him off. Then I slip and I see a skinhead holding a handgun like up in the air, like holding a gun, like I start shooting in the air. I go, fuck! Like, like we went earlier in the show, we'd tell people, give us, give us, give us something to drink, give us drugs, give us whiskey, give us whatever. Like, so I think it was a, a Fang trick, like Fang, where they like, give us money, and we're like, give us money, give us that, da, da, da. and um, and we saw the guy's holding the gun up in the air. So I look at Bob, he looks at me, we both go, fuck, we grabbed the bottle of wine and we just started booking. We started just running into the desert, you know, like, and we got way up, we just climbed up this mountain, we're up on this ridge, way up on this ridge, we're looking down at everything, you know, we're like drinking the wine, looking down, like, fuck this, you know, like, like they're, they're like skinheads and guns down there, like someone's gonna get shot, you know, we're looking, the, the lights finally come back on, and we go back down there, and like, uh, like, and I was like, yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. Like, they, everybody was okay. Like, just let's get the fuck out of here, right? We get our shit. We're, we're, we're driving out. And they're in the desert. There's all these skinheads in a pickup truck, and they've got flares lit, like red flares, road flares. So it's just like the most surreal thing. We're driving slowly, like in slow motion for the desert. There's all these skins on a pickup truck with red road flares blowing. It's like, what the fuck? And then we went back to a house party, and everyone did a lot of, like, drugs or something. And... Fantastic. <laughs> you know, I think for whatever criticism one can have of America, that is the only country where those three incidents are going to That many guns, only country that's going to happen. Yeah. Denmark may feed you well and Germany may put you up well, but not going to compete in the guns. The guns. We had a lot of guns. There's a lot of gunplay that tour. And I just like, eh, I consider myself lucky not to have gotten shot at any point, you know, but... Fantastic. Well, Jim, thank you very much for, oh. uh, after three years, finally being able to do this. And for yeah. doing the goddamn band for over, what, three decades? Three decades, yeah. We're still yeah. going. Still, still, yeah. still, we're, we're not just, like, you know, thanks to, like, to, to Bruce here for, you know, like, re-releasing all these old nuggets of <laughs> FOD musical bits. But um, it's like, we're still, we're making new music. We're still, like... Writing, we we can't stop it for some reason. I'm happy to. We hear try, it. we try to try to kill the beast, but <laughs> we stabbed you. it with our steely knives, and we just couldn't kill the beast. <laughs> thank you, Bruce, for uh, co-interviewing with me and for releasing these records. Thank you, uh, and keeping all of this business. It was a pleasure. Thanks.